0: There is no perfectly sustainable fabric, but Team Timbuktu 2 is committed to being the best they can be. Rihanna pulls back the curtain and sheds some insight on how her brand embraced sustainability at its core, as well as sharing her amazing journey from snowboarding enthusiast to sustainable activewear lover. And apologies in advance as the audio isn't perfect today as we were having some tech issues, but it's pretty good for the most part, so I'm sure you'll still enjoy the pod. So tell us a bit about Rihanna and Team Timbuktu.
1: Sure thing, John. So I'm Rihanna. I'm the founder and director of Team Timbuktu. We're a sustainable activewear and outdoors brand creating activewear, leggings, bike shorts, raincoats, all from recycled plastic awesome. bottles. So we're an e-commerce brand. So we've got our online store. And Occasionally, we do markets here and yep. there, but pretty much an online store. We've been around for about two and a half okay. years, um, and we've recently recycled over seventy-five thousand plastic bottles into our clothing, oh, wow. which is a pretty exciting milestone.
0: That's fantastic! And, and your journey, yourself, have you always been into sort of fashion and business and whatnot? Was it something you expected to do when you were younger, or was it a bit more incidental?
1: I always knew that I wanted to work in fashion, like ever since I was. I don't know if I was 14 or 16, but relatively yep. young. But I didn't know of any of the jobs aside from being a designer. Yep. And back then I thought, there's no way I want to be a designer, but I'm sure there's got to be some other jobs. so I'll just figure it out later. Yep. So I went to uni, I studied fashion, design and technology, graduated, was still sure that I didn't want to be a designer and I didn't want to own my own company. Yep started working for a snowboard company um doing design and production for them so that was an incredible experience um by the time I left I was responsible for all of their design across um like their technical outerwear like waterproof snowboard pants and also their like hoodies and gloves and beanies and like everything from the initial sketch taking it through right to the shop floor and dealing with all the offshore manufacturers along the way so incredible experience um but it got to a point like so maybe three and a half years and went snowboarding in japan and i had this big accident where oh, i wow. just screwed my knee up royally it was a a pain in the ass really For sure um, it was just a 12 month like blip I'm on the a, a, kind an, of i don't even know where i was going it was before, an, but, an, an acl <laughs> yeah acl mcl meniscus bone bruising my physio was like it's pretty much like you've had a really horrific car crash but all you did was go snowboarding oh, so just... pretty unlucky there but also what i learned I, like i learned so much from that recovery mm just empathy for people and like different abilities that you might see or not see. Like I was terrified to cross the road because I couldn't walk at a quarter pace. Like I was so slow in recovery and just like you learn so much in experience like that. But I also kind of learned that if I never went snowboarding again, it would be like, I'd find something else to do. Like I'm kind of, I don't particularly care about one activity or the other I know I like doing things. I know I like getting outdoors. It can be sport. It doesn't have to be, but I just like trying out new things. Like I went through a rock climbing phase for a while. So I kind of learned that I wasn't 110% committed to snowboarding. And yeah. um, so I thought that was kind of the, like the start of the seed of the idea of team Timbuktu. up it's like, well, I know I love like the fashion industry, um, like the endless possibility within it and then creativity um but i don't like snowboarding really cool i still do it still love it but there's also more out yep. there um so then maybe a year or two after that i was um on a backpacking trip through south america i spent like two months pretty much entirely at uh altitude hiking these incredible places like up like volcanoes and yep. down like canyons and to glaciers and just like it was insane yep. the kind of just what's the word the the sights yeah that's a terrible word but you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> just like the things that you see every day is like this is truly breathtaking yep. um but the clothing I was wearing I just felt really insecure about it I didn't want to get my photo taken. Like normally I hate getting photos, but I'm like, I'm in this beautiful spot. Um, I need to wear clothes that I guess are really like technical and functional. Like they've got pockets and I don't know, sweat wicking or waterproofing or all these kind of various elements. But I was just wearing clothes that I was like, I feel like drab and daggy. And like it was like someone who designed this piece of clothing they were thinking of a customer that was four times my age. Um, So I just felt that like there was a gap in the market for outdoors clothing, but you didn't necessarily have to be over
0: 50 at that kind of point. Um, Trendy and upbeat. So
1: then, yeah. But then also so like balancing um, like the functionality of the clothing, but then also with the style and then also throwing in the sustainability for me, which really was just common sense. Yep. Um, okay. Which I think like took a while to figure out that not everyone else thinks that way. It's like, oh, like of course you're gonna make a product or garment or whatever you're spending the majority of your time doing. Yep. Like in the week, you want to make it as low impact as possible.
0: For sure, for sure. No, I appreciate that that real detailed insight and um, of, of you know your experience that led you to your journey and where you are today. And just sort of go back a bit more towards the brand itself. You briefly touched upon how you know you recycle plastic bottles and. Uh, you know, how it's a sustainable, active brand. But can you just share with us a bit more about what compels you to embrace sustainability, both as a person and then now as a business owner?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it really was just common sense. Um, I guess, like, I don't No one's perfect and everyone's on their own um, sustainability journey, like for myself. Um, in my own personal life I've only recently started soft plastic recycling at home which I know I could have done a whole like I could have done that years ago and I feel bad now that I haven't but the good thing is now that I've started it and so I think that's the same with like composting or like reducing paper in your workplace or however you can make a change Um, so I guess for the brand like I'm creating a product from scratch so I had the connections within supply chains and fabric mills to see, oh, I, yeah, I already had the relationships. So I knew that there was better fabrics, yeah. that you didn't have to make a synthetic fabric out of oil. Um, you could use a significantly more sustainable raw material. Yeah. And then after all of the like recycling and processing, it was pretty much the exact same. Like the end consumer can't tell if it's a recycled fabric or not. It's still strong and durable there's still high performance. still waterproof, or whatever um, elements you've created the fabric yep. for. Um, so yeah, really was just common sense. It was like if you're going to encourage people to go outdoors and do cool things, it just it wouldn't make sense if we're like, hey, go outdoors, but we've made this fabric out of stuff that has a direct yeah. negative impact on the outdoors. A bit of an
0: oxymoron. So yeah, yeah. 100%. yeah it makes sense. As I already shout into one of the other labels got on board, the Sustainable Swimmer brand. And they were talking about that the irony of you know loving the ocean and enjoying the beauty of Australia's amazing beaches, but then wearing something that's that's tarnishing that, so it's funny that you mentioned that the Absolutely. same thing you know more of the outdoors you know whether you're hiking or I having mean, enjoying a breathtaking view, but you know you're mm. you know and like you mentioned, none of us are perfect in a way we probably are not contributing to that breathtaking view, but um yeah, it's always funny just there that that the irony of yeah n- like how much you'd love it, but then what you're wearing isn't making it a better place. So so I'm I'm rambling now, but this this is your podcast. So I apologize. But
1: No, it's so yeah. true though. And especially um oh I'm gonna have that moment where you totally forget what you're talking about. Oh no, I get yep. it now. Um, I think it's really cool to see like all the brands that you stock, and there's just so many brands out there that are getting started where sustainability is a core value or that they're approaching business in a different way versus, I guess, traditionally or quite a few years ago, it's like you go into business to make money and whilst you do need to make money in order to survive as a business so you can keep making impact, um, I think it's cool, like, flipping the model on its head and seeing, like, what good can we do whilst we're also
0: creating? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really interesting point as well, Rihanna, because a lot of the times you see businesses – will have unethical practices throughout their whole supply chain and then they'll donate a portion of their charity or donate they'll do a fundraiser for a charity. Whereas with the businesses that you've mentioned that were you know privileged to have on board at stride everything they do or the most part is contributing to making the world a better place. It's not like it's an afterthought after make your profit. It's make your profit whilst doing a good thing as opposed to, you know, doing a bad thing and then giving some profit to charity. Um so that's a really fascinating yeah, insight there. And um Yeah, truly commend all the businesses that are doing that and and your business is one of those. Um, Now just going a bit more into the the sort of supply chain of Team Timbuktu, how do you best ensure that your supply chain is eco-friendly and ethical? So whether that be the fabrics, the factors that you work with, the packaging, whatnot, can you just shed some light on that process because I'm sure it's not as simple as, you know, I think you speak about it a bit on your website with one of your pages, but I'm sure it's not as simple as 500 words on it. It's probably spent hours of sleepless nights trying to figure this out. (laughs)
1: Yeah, so I guess I had an advantage to start with that I did study fashion and that I had worked in the industry for quite a few yeah. years. So um, I guess I understood the relationship between the uh, designer or the uh, company and the manufacturer or supplier. Yeah. Um, so I understand what they need to create a in terms of a spec sheet where you're like um, there's this sleeve and it has a 14 centimetre zip here yeah. and then shoulder seam is this and like just all the little details that essentially make their life easier versus I guess a lot of people that start product-based businesses that haven't worked in one before they're like cool I've got this great design but they don't know how to manufacture it and so then I guess when you're jumping into an area that you don't know you just simply don't know what to look out for. so you have no idea that there's ethical certifications um you don't know that it's a good idea to go and visit your factories like you just don't know and so then like you always learn by your mistakes however much you know at the yeah. start but i think i was in a pretty fortunate place to start yeah. so for me that's working with suppliers that i've personally met like i go and have a um factory visit every pretty year awesome. Um, which just keeps a really good relationship with my suppliers because I'm a really small brand, especially for them. Like essentially they're doing me a favor by taking me on board. Um, And so I want to make sure that they like me and that they're happy to keep working together. And then on the flip side that I can see that everything is above board, that they're creating like a great, healthy, safe work environment for their employees. Um, That's also then third party accredited. So um, my manufacturers have different accreditations. Um, one of them has SA8000 and RAP or WRAP. Uh, yep, yep. Um, and then another one follows the BSCI. So that's the business social compliance yep. initiative. Um, so then essentially with uh, both, all of those accreditations, it's like there's a third party that came into the factory they went through a whole bunch of questions or like they saw their books, they create like a 40 page report from this and you can see as much as you can without physically being there every single day of the year, you can see what the factory is like. It's like, did they work overtime? Were there people underage that shouldn't have been working there? Were they paid above minimum wage? Like all of the things that are really important and that I guess you'd assume, like of course people get paid, like sick leave or they're allowed to take holidays or just like basic rights. Yep. But unfortunately in a lot of factories in the world, they just aren't like that. So I guess I feel really comfortable with my manufacturing partners that I know them, I go visit them, build that relationship. And then I've also got that third party accreditation. Um, but then that's just within like the people side and within the factories. So then you've also got to look at fabrics. And then packaging and freight and oh, what you're doing, like, for offsetting and profits and, like, it really is a deep rabbit yeah, hole. definitely. <laughs> I can
0: just tell what you're saying there's the depth of which you go. going. I think it's really cool that you're visiting the factories because, you know, seeing photos, giving you know, getting your quotations is fantastic. Um, but I think seeing it in person, like, nothing can really replace that. And, um, yeah, that's probably the best thing there. And in terms of, like, the packaging as well, um, how do you go about doing that?
1: Yeah, so when I first started, um, I launched the brand two and a half years ago, and there was none of this really cool home compostable packaging back then. Yep. So I started with um, no poly bags, AG like when you get a garment, normally it's in a single-use plastic bag that to a customer that's never worked in a warehouse before makes zero sense. You'd be like, why did you send me this bag? But as soon as you work in a warehouse, you realise how critical that piece of packaging is because if it like it keeps the garment folded and in place and you can tell what size it is because it's got a sticker on the front. So when I first launched, like I had um, essentially my warehouse in my spare room and just imagine like boxes of raincoats yep. that weren't folded and they didn't have the sizes available. So doing something like a stock take, which should, I don't know, maybe take an hour it ends up taking five hours because you're like oh is this one size small or size large or like you just it's impossible to organize so I learned quickly that you do need poly bags but um I was keen oh like it that's a lie wasn't keen it was a non-negotiable that I'd ever use single-use plastic for something like packaging where it's just so avoidable so Um, And for our mailing bags, actually, we launched with a cardboard envelope, again, because I couldn't find anything. Um, Luckily, I think about six months after we launched, um, the company, the Better Packaging Co. launched. So they were the first to create the, like, home-compostable, biodegradable uh, poly and mailing bags that are made from cornstarch, which is really cool. And then there's been a whole heap of other companies launched since then. So. Whilst it is the more expensive, expensive alternative, um, it's like it's peanuts in the scheme I think, and it's just what you have to do for the yeah, planet. Yeah,
0: without a doubt, I couldn't agree more. It's fantastic to see how holistic your approach is there, and um, every part of the brand is as eco friendly as possible. Um, now, funny. I think that one of the most important things that we get to discuss is the fabric itself. Um, can you please <laughs> shed some light on your sort of your go to sustainable fabrics that you like to use and and also, if you have some time as well, just some advice for our eco conscious listeners
1: yeah sure thing so I'll start this by saying there's no such thing as a perfect fabric like I wish there was i wish every I'm sure everyone wishes there yep. was, but all fabrics have impact. it's just a matter of fact, like um I guess taking it back to the start of like fabric learning and knowledge, and yeah, like there's essentially. You've got your natural um, fibres, so think of things essentially that can be grown in the ground like cotton or silk or hemp or wool, Um, and then you've got your synthetic fibres which are like acrylic or polyester or nylon or spandex or like things like that essentially that are man-made traditionally out of oil. So your um, natural fibres are really good for essentially the majority of the time when like think about like a t-shirt for instance like you don't need anything technical about a t-shirt you're just wearing it um like I guess you might sweat a little bit like during the day but you're not doing any like hardcore physical activity and so for like I don't know your jeans and your t-shirts and just your everyday basics natural fibers are really good and they have the lowest impact possible Um, the reason why I use the majority of synthetic fabrics, though, um, is because that they're good for the performance function, I guess. So I'm creating my product to be used where you might be sweating or where you might be hiking in the rain. And so you need that technical function, which you just can't get from natural yep. fibers. Um, technology is always improving, so hopefully we can get there in the future. Yep. But rather than creating synthetic fabrics out of oil, um, I create my fabrics from a recycled plastic bottle to create a recycled polyester. So our activewear is 75% recycled with the other 25% um, uh, elastane, which you need for the stretch. And then our raincoats, uh, that fabric is actually 100% recycled. So there's about 31... 31.2 31.2 bottles um in every single raincoat which is really yeah,
0: cool no, that, 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 that is what I was actually going to ask you about what the, what the makeup was and you must have uh, knew what I was thinking because I was about to ask that and <laughs> I think in terms of just some quick advice for anybody I know you mentioned before about that there is no perfect fabric so if someone's out there looking to, you know research the you know perfect fabric they're not going to find it but do you have any sort of maybe even more general advice on how to become a more eco-conscious consumer whether it be in your home with your shopping um and whatnot
1: yeah, I'd say, well, I'd say for brands out there, like the first question really is why are you creating this product? Yep. If it's, a, I don't know, if you're creating like a beautiful dress or if you're making T-shirts or something like that, you can stick to natural fibres. It will have a lower environmental impact, of course, organic and certified and like there's so many things that you can get into there. Sure. But if you do need, like you should only be using synthetic fabrics if you need to perf- for the performance element yep. um, so i guess that's something to keep in mind as a customer or consumer as well like when you are looking at a brand um like there's so many things you could look yep. at but i guess looking at um the fabrics like what are they made from if it isn't that oh if it is synthetic is it a recycled synthetic yep. um, is there transparency on their website about who makes their clothes um, i know a lot of people have anti-made in china i personally like have great relationships with our manufacturers um, who are in china yeah. um i think if you ultimately i think it doesn't matter where in the world that you make your clothing as long as you make sure that the labor laws are upheld and that everyone has a happy safe like healthy work environment yeah. um like you can get factories in australia or outworkers essentially yeah. that don't have the basic right so i don't think it's a matter of looking at what country it was made in it's more um how do you know that the workers were looked after um if they don't say anything on their website as well about like packaging like do you ship in plastic packaging i know you can ask like don't ship in any plastic packaging um or a lot of people actually have transitioned over to compostable packaging now um I think it's also nice to have a look at, like, the About Us page. It's like, is it a massive conglomerate which is actually owned by H&M and it's just one of their offshoot brands? Or is it, like, is it a small little brand by, I don't know, some people that live in Melbourne or Adelaide or wherever it is that are trying to make a difference? Um, Like, I think it's always good to support local, especially after the year that we've had.
0: Yeah. No, definitely. Some um, some really cool insights there. Um, I, I know I just learned a lot in that in that last sort of two three minutes. I'm sure I listened to it as well. Um, and then in just to finish up today, Rihanna, um, are there any exciting plans for the future? I know we spoke briefly before we started about you know how 2020 has been a crazy year. Um, but you know, in terms of 2021 and onwards, um, what what can we expect from yourself and Team Timbuktu?
1: So I can't say exact details right now, yeah. but I would say in April this year, I'm so excited about two different products. Um, okay. One will keep you warm and the other is like an incredible collaboration that I'm I'm just so excited wow. about both of them. Of course, they're both sustainable, yeah. um, but keep your uh, eyes peeled for upcoming product launches later this year that
0: was a very coy answer and i'm very intrigued <laughs> so um looking I'll, I'll be sure to mark my calendar in april let see what's happening next and i uh, hope you do let me know when it when it is ready because um it, yeah i can, I can hear it in your voice how excited you are so i'm sure there will both be some or uh, two fantastic new ranges there but um look that i think that's that's it for today rihanna it was really cool learning more about yourself the brand hanging break sustainability just shedding a bit more about you know, I really like the part where you mentioned about, you know, that there is no perfectly sustainable fabric and, um, you know, I definitely learned a lot to I'm, I'm sure our listeners did it as well. So a big, big thank you for your time and, um, yeah, thanks for sharing your insights.
1: Thanks so much for having me, John. Uh, thanks. For-
0: thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world. If you like what you heard, please leave a nice review. And if you have any feedback or want to recommend a guest, and yes, that can include you love like yourself, please email me at jordanoutstridestore.com.au